episode 47 welcome back gang thank you for joining me so happy to have you with us again hello australia hello canada hello us uh lots of new listeners from all of those corners of the world so welcome subscribe tell everybody um also to say um if you would like to uh, and this is not just because i want to get extra extra instagram followers um i'm I, i'm trying to be a bit more active on it and i want to try and tie it in with the podcast so um go and find me on instagram um i should actually know my instagram address um i'll find it shortly but anyway um i want to be able to kind of tie in um bits and pieces that you may find of me talking about on here that I'll also have on there that correspond pictorially. God, I'm waffling already. Um, my name is simply Matt Ian Kelly, all as one word. Um, that's how you will find me on Instagram. Um, and there will be pictures of upcoming projects I'm working on. Um, recommendations this week. I'm going to keep it short and sweet, as I say. Um, there's 23... 23 new Prince albums. Well, they're not new, um, but Prince albums that haven't been available uh, or that easily available for many, 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 many years. Um, and I can only recommend that you go and work your way through that. Um, iTunes will indicate which ones are new to you, but um, everything from uh, one of my favourite albums, Emancipation, which is a double album, is on there. Um, there is um, The Full Dirty Mind, Graffiti Bridge. There's an album called The Truth, um, which is proper classic prints, and I'd forgotten even existed. Um, 31, 21, they're, they're amazing. Anyway, that's my musical very brief recommendation this week. Um, the other thing I want to say is, yes, so um, I can let you know a little announcement. Um, I am going to be appearing as an ugly sister in Portsmouth over Christmas at a theatre called the Groundlings Theatre. Um, and I'm very happy to be playing uh, one of the sisters in Cinderella, one of the ugly sisters and her character. The character's name is Rosé. So I will give you further dates. It's on from um, pretty much all of December and into January as well. So uh, if anyone is down that way or happens to be passing or goes down that way for Christmas, then please feel free to let me know that you're in the area and drop in and maybe we can have a sherry after the show. That'd be nice. Anyway, um, also very excited to say that I'm going to be doing a reading of a play that my friend Greg has written for me. <laughs> um, uh, and it's called Lily in the Guesthouse Window. And I will tell you more about that because we're doing a an industry reading. So it's just kind of close friends, family and industry people uh, to get feedback and, and, and see how the land lies on that. But that's kind of one of the growing projects that I've I've talked about in the last few weeks. So uh, so two 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 performance announcements there. Um, but anyway, more on those as we get to them. So, yes. I think I'm just going to let you jump in straight away this week um, and I won't waffle on anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Mr. Ian McFarlane. So let's jump in. So, let's. Mr. Ian McFarlane, um, I have known you since, I'm going to say, 
10 years? Yeah, 10 years. At least 10 years, maybe more? Well, I think it's slightly okay. shorter. It's This yeah. is the 10th year. Or is next year the 10th 2008? year? 2008? I can't count. That's like. the reason I work in theatre. <laughs> the only industry it's that would have about, me. <laughs> it's about, it's, it's getting near a decade. Yes. Um, oh God, don't say decade. <laughs> decade, <laughs> decade. Um, and... Um, <laughs> And uh, and as listeners who know my story, because I've given them the full whack at the beginning, if you go back to episode one, if you can, um, I have explained my whole background of the of experiences, and I've worked with you uh, on three shows, thrice, thrice <laughs> in Henley upon Thames, mm. um, in two pantomimes, and I was your trotty dame for those outside of the UK. And then I was also in your Three Musketeers. You were indeed. Adaptation, um, which we'll come to later. But um, but I also know your husband-to-be. Yes. And that's how we first knew each other. So, uh, but we'll talk about that later. Mm. So, we're going back, 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 back in time. I'm it's doing swishy arm movements. Swishy you arms. can't see, but... <laughs> it was very good. Thank you so much. Professionally like, true. It was like hot gossip. <laughs> um, so... <clears throat> Director, writer, once mm. actor. We'll touch on that later. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start with where you were born and when, if you don't mind. <clears throat> I don't mind. I might change my mind in another decade. But, um, <laughs> yeah. I was born in Preston in Lancashire, which is the north, um, in 1984. Yes. I'm 34 years old. Ugh, oh, I know. Such a baby. <laughs> I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and Preston... For you as a child, generally, before we talk about school, we want to talk about school. Mm. How, did you like? Were you happy there? Yeah, I mean, I didn't. Sort of strange question. I didn't know any different. I suppose you know, I, Preston is is quite a sweet place. It's a very there's not a lot going on um, for somebody outside of the UK. How for some, it's how it's quite it's. <laughs> It lives up to the to the northern uh, UK stereotype that it is quite grey, um, and it's uh, fairly small. It's called Preston, which because there are many many churches. It comes from Priest Town. Um, that oh, is why. Yes. Okay. I know. So it's known for or was at one time famous for having the most churches and the most pubs in the UK. I don't think that's <laughs> probably true anymore, but it became a city in. I want to say 1999, 2000, around then. It's got a little bit more cosmopolitan since. Um, but, you yeah, know, it was it was a nice place to grow up because it was it was quiet. I don't know. It's funny now that I live in London and I absolutely love London. But um, I find it, it's, a really, it's really strange when you speak to people that talk about their, their school trips being sort of to Buckingham Palace, whatever, or, or getting the tube to school. That feels mm. just so alien to me because, you know, I lived in... A suburbia world and everything was quite suburban even even the town centre you know it was it was a small place but no it was happy I had a very very happy childhood in terms of home life and family um and uh yeah so I mean I Preston, Preston was very good to me good 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 <laughs> okay so the, but then also that's interesting but the history of Preston there ladies and gentlemen that's stuff I didn't know um the pub I stuff, think that's the beginning and the, the end the pub I can believe though that yeah. seems to be that seems that seems in keeping with well you need them in the north <laughs> we might dead at that because it's always raining. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so school. Um, were you were you were you a, a model student? Did you work hard? Were you? Um, yeah, I did work hard. I really, I enjoy. I really enjoyed primary school. I was I was quite sociable, so I was really looking forward to going 
and being around other children. I remember my mum, I have a distinct memory of my mum taking me to see the primary school before I'd started. And um, I think it was a weekend or a holiday or something. And we, we went sort of had a look around and looked through the windows and she was showing me the reception class. And I was really excited because there was a pop-up post office in there. And I rather enjoyed playing shop. <laughs> I did have my own post office. <laughs> and, um, and I remember my, my first really distinct memory of getting to school and, and, and starting my school career in reception class was that they'd taken this post office down and I was I was not very happy. I mean I, I mean I wasn't I wasn't grumpy. I was very I was a very happy child generally. Yeah. But I remember going and asking the, the teacher, um I mean, where's the where's the post office? Because I think I felt here. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I felt I'd signed up yeah. for this for this post office. And she said, oh, "We try and change things around." And I can remember going, mm-hmm, "Yeah, when's the post office coming back?" I mean, you know, I wanted to know the schedule of how these things changed. I was quite eccentric, <laughs> and I don't think the post office ever came back. No, no, I don't. I can't remember. It it had. To, I don't know if it was something they bought or something they'd made, but it had walls. It was sort of like a fold-out Wendy. I'm, I'm miming fold-out again. But uh, it was like a, a fold-out sort of Wendy. Yeah, sort of a fold-out Wendy house type thing. I remember it had a clock and it was quite fabulous. Yeah. Uh, well, I just have to say, I had a post office, a cardboard post office house right. building in my parents' home in Slough that was bought for me for a Christmas present. And it, was, it had a clock. Oh, I wonder big... if it was... Yeah, I mean, like... Oh, like, then maybe yeah, it's yeah, the yeah. same thing. And I think it, it did fold away because you couldn't have it in the in the in the in the living room all the time because it was a bit too part time post office. Yeah, part time post office. I did the hours yeah. I wanted to keep. <laughs> yeah. um, very much like you're in a small village. I, I've never heard anyone else say that they played in a pretend post office. It's funny, and that yes. So maybe we kindred spirits. Maybe well. there is. Maybe. maybe there's a career <laughs> down the line when knees are broken. Um, <laughs> so it's good that you enjoyed school. I'm yeah, happy I did. to hear that. And uh, so going from. So a primary junior, of course, primary and junior. Did you call them primary junior then? I don't know what it would be. Not really. We would. Um, I think there was more of a, a more of a southern thing. Um, we uh, would call secondary school high school as well. Oh, did you call it high school? Yeah, we okay. did, and that's a real sort of American thing. Yeah. But some of oddly, some of the nor the northern sorry terminology is similar to the American stuff hmm. and we wouldn't really say secondary school i don't think i ever heard anybody say high secondary school. school until i came yeah we all we all said high school oh. so primary school i always just count as the whole thing but yeah lots it's of little school little school <laughs> but no I, I when i went to i was really i was really looking forward to going to high school again um i enjoyed my first year and then i was over it uh, okay my um i didn't I didn't loathe it, but I, I wasn't particularly academic. That's what I was going to ask you, actually. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know whether I was just lazy. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't particularly academic. I'm, I'm good at English. Words are my thing. Yeah. Uh, I was good at art as well, and uh, good at music, and obviously I was, I was you know, I enjoyed drama, and I was good at drama. But I was terrible at maths, and I still am terrible at maths. Oh my goodness me, I'm bad. And I remember I started off in the first year in the top set for everything. Um, So I thought, well, look at me, aren't I wonderful? But I very quickly worked my way down in some of them. I I then went into set two for maths, and I 
remember some of the people that I was at primary school with, sort of, you know, only very snooty. Probably, <laughs> it was probably their, their dinner time conversation. Ian McFarlane, not in the top set anymore. Oh, no. I just didn't care, though. And then I ended up in set three, and then I ended up in set four by the time I left. So I went from the bottom to the top. I was in C3 in maths. So I wasn't in A, B, or C, and there was one, two, and three in each. I was in C3. We were pretty much in the same bottom I set. I worked my way to the bottom, and I was proud of it. I, I did, it was amazing that I started. I was, oh, I'm so... Still bad. hate maths. No, me too. Okay. And, I'm, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at it. And then, you know, therefore, I wasn't great with science or anything. I'm, I'm interested in science. Mm-hmm. I find it really interesting. I just... I've got a really, really good memory. A very good, sort of freakishly good memory. Uh, quite a visual memory. Mm-hmm. And I have conversations with my... I mean, I, We'll probably move on to her in a minute, but my first drama teacher outside of school. Yes. About, uh, you know, I'll talk about conversations we had, and I can remember what she was wearing, and, and it's become a running joke. They'll say, you know, you were wearing those 1990s moccasins. Um, moccasins. Oh, you're still in touch? Oh, yeah, no, she's a very good friend of mine. Ah. Yeah. Um, and so for things I'm interested in, I can remember, but I just I just couldn't remember anything maths, science-wise, I guess because it just didn't interest me. So I was pretty much over it in the second year, okay. and I was very much ready by... By the end of the third year, that was it. I was I just wanted to go to college and um, and study what I wanted. I was doing so much amdram. So yes, so yes. Is it, so what? At what point did theatre start to become for you as a as start as back in when you were performing? When did that start to take a major part in your life? I mean, or did well actually? What point did you ever kind of get onto a stage and go, oh, you know, it's there's a thing. Funny because people tell stories, don't they, about being on stage and making an audience laugh and, and that being it. I kind of can't remember when I decided I wanted one to do it. Specific I, moment. I just wanted to do it. When I was it, the, the turning point was when I was ten, and a local drama school opened up on a Saturday called the Little Players, and they are still going. Mm-hmm. Um, the Little Players. That was, I think, it was nineteen ninety. I think was I turned in 1994 I think it was 94 <laughs> it's <nuts> again <laughs> yeah. see we're looping back <laughs> that's the comedy writer in me I like to refer back um, <laughs> I I remember it was being in the paper and my aunt or aunt for the southern listeners <laughs> not an insect um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did once meet a child um, and I was having a conversation a friend's child about my aunt and I said something about you know I went over for <laughs> I went over for uh, lunch and she said but why would an insect be cooking <laughs> I remember it so vividly said no no uh, anyway um, but no, yeah, I've just got to stop you there because there's something that's really bothering me at the moment in life is that I've suddenly heard American actors and people just being interviewed politicians if they use not that they're, they're all using the word aunt all the time but there seems to be a lot of people using the word aunt because I've noticed them saying aunt in, 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 in an American mm. accent that's really odd and it's really bothering me because it didn't used to I think in some regions they do say aunt because yeah. I've heard it quite a lot uh, and I don't know you don't have to but ask. in the middle of a, like a Texan yeah. accent yeah it is strange but anyway I, it's, something has bothered me <laughs> that's it. these things have to come up <laughs> anyway so Breathe going back deep. to um, yeah. <laughs> going back to our lady at drama school. Yes, so uh, at, at at school before drama school. Let's well, only get to drama school. The lady who was your drama teacher, 
and I'm sure she sounds like well you're still mates yeah no she's like, a very very so. good friend of mine she's called Debbie Deborah Car- Deborah Carter with an O she's <laughs> very very specific about that and she is from California um, oh, really? parents uh, mother born in Preston father born somewhere in the south and she was born in California and then they moved back to Preston when she was at high school oh. and she uh, was an act she went to Mount View in fact in the 70s and um Sorry, I'm aging you now, Debbie. If you're listening, <laughs> and Mount is another is another drum. Yeah, yeah, another who aren't and a big one as well. And it was, yeah. you know, it was re- it was really, really. Um, I think it was it was in its early days in the seventies, very much up and coming. Mm. It was a big mm-hmm. deal, and went off and and did American films and TV and things. Right. She's in some quite weird, wonderful stuff. Wow. Um, Day of the Dead. Anyway, ah. yeah, she's a zombie. Zombie hit by two by four in the head. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, I know. And hippie zombie, I think. I she always <laughs> used to laugh about that. Anyway, she she's a great friend of mine now. She was my first drama teacher because we didn't really do drama in primary school. You know, we did bits, we did school plays. And again, I always wanted to, I always wanted to be creative and on stage. And I was I was doing plays in the back garden, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember where it started. But the turning point was around ten years old. I started this class at. At the local amateur theatre, Preston Playhouse, which is just this really lovely, lovely little theatre, gorgeous mm. proscenium arch, um, traditional theatre. Yeah. And I stayed with the little players and then went into the teenage group, The Players, which was on a Wednesday evening. I stayed there up until I left high school so I was there from 10 to 16 and then I taught there um, and oh, I okay. go back anytime I can and try and do workshops and things and it was a huge I mean really huge part of my theatrical development yeah. she was a fantastic teacher um, we did musicals um, I mean I love musicals but they, they were doing them most most schools do musicals because the, the cast is so big that's why they do yeah. but she was very much focused on the acting so you know, we would really, we would really explore the characters and uh, and the text. It wasn't just, you know, the bit between songs as it might sometimes be. Sure. Um, in a in a sort of a, a, a youth situation, and we really, really um, focused on the acting and, and and creating characters. And I, I, I was Mister Bumble when I was about twelve, I think, in right. Oliver. So I had a fat suit, a Brilliant. fantastic Brilliant. fat suit. Um, I was Freddie Ainsford Hill in My Fair Lady when I was about 16. I was also Curly McLean, uh, although the director at one point, um, I really enjoyed those cowboy boots. It took a while for me <laughs> not to sashay when I was wearing them, and he did shout at me at one point, you're playing Curly McLean, <laughs> not Shirley McLean. <laughs> Best line ever. Yes, I know, absolutely. I'm a bit scarred from that, but there you go. But that, so I, I, had, I had a great, great time there, and she's, um, she's become a, a really good friend of mine, but that was the... That was really the, the turning point when yeah. I really thought, no, this is this is it. I, I I really want to do this. And I took it very, very seriously. And I did... My poor parents, I mean, they ferry me around. Each night I was in a different Amdram group. Sure. But they were they were great. I was so lucky. They, they, they knew that I loved it, so they took it and ran with it, really. Brilliant. They made sure that I was being inspired. Especially for parents who aren't... Uh, who, who aren't theatrical and necessarily going every week themselves no, to go right okay let's all. do this and, and my mum you know my mum now I mean you know 
she'd obviously seen theatre in her life, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really got into it and she, and she loves it. My mum will go to the theatre. My mum will go. Yeah, I, I thought I said the theatre will go to my mum, but I didn't. Uh, my well, mum will go to the theatre. Depending <laughs> how you're feeling when it's yeah, absolutely. That, that particular Christmas. <laughs> my mum will go to the theatre. Uh, independently uh, my dad doesn't love theatre he loves my stuff he's yeah. very very sportive yeah, and yeah, yeah. Would, would sit and watch anything I've done ten times over but he wouldn't necessarily wouldn't sit through the inheritance perhaps I don't think so <laughs> he really struggled with A Midsummer Night's Dream at Williamson Park because and I'm trying to think when this that was mid 90s uh-huh. it was set in um well, I mean, obviously it's set in Athens, but but they they'd set it in the Edwardian era, and they were all wearing these sort of white, beautiful white Edwardian costumes. He just couldn't get his head around it. What, as far as he's concerned, it's ridiculous that it's set in Athens. They're speaking in Elizabethan mm-hmm. <laughs> dialect, and they're wearing Edwardian costumes, and he just couldn't get past that. Um, <laughs> my my next question, we're just going to jump in because it probably does. I mean, it's just a guess. It probably does tie in with with theatre and mm-hmm. your your theatrical bent. But when, (laughs) when, do you remember when you first became aware of your sexuality? Some did something. Was there a, was there a a crush? Was there a moment? Was there a a trigger? I don't, again, I don't really remember. I, the only time I can, I remember watching the film Fame um, and the, um, I'm laughing because that just all sounds so camp. But uh, I was watching the film Fame with my parents, yeah. and there is a character in in Fame, as far as I remember, who who is homosexual. Yes. And I remember then thinking, I think I might be gay, and but I remember at that point really not wanting to be. Oh, okay. Yeah. But that was I was I mean I was young. Maybe that was nine or ten. But then a couple of years later, I. I don't remember sort of having a moment where I knew, but I definitely knew, and I wasn't bothered in the least. I didn't have, I did not have any torturous period okay. of of, uh, of self acceptance, which I'm really lucky for, and I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly not taking that for granted because I think a lot of that was my environment, my yeah. my family were really really laid back. So when did you accepting. when did you say to, when did you tell them? Well, I mean, I. I became a practicing homosexual <laughs> when I was. <laughs> I think I, it was my third. Was it third or fourth? Yeah, it was my third year mm-hmm. of high school. So I'm not sure how old I'd be then. But I went to Manchester Youth Theatre, which was which was a great experience as well. Uh, we you would be in Manchester. I think it was two weeks I okay. think it might have been three and you rehearsed um, and then you did a show in the in the final week and I and you stayed in Manchester yeah. University Halls and um, I did that twice for that two years running and it was it just such an a, amazing experience it was it was great they were quite lax with <laughs> with um, supervising their yes. young charges of an evening let's right. put it that way uh, I think nowadays they I mean there's just no way on the face of the earth that you would get away 
with what we were doing mm-hmm. and I, th- I think even then I think if you were probably in the National Youth Theatre in London you were probably sort of put to bed with a lantern and um, the door <laughs> locked and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a matron was probably waiting outside Manchester Youth Theatre there was none of that we, we were just given free reign and in the evening we'd go out to Canal Street or I was going to say was it Canal Street yeah, yeah so that was my first experience of of going out to a, a, a gay bar or gay pub or club or anything. That was probably when Canal Street was still just kind of blossoming. It, it was. It was. I remember it being incredible because it was Gay Pride while I was there. Oh, God. in my first year. The timing. Yeah, and wow. it was. It, it was just. It was brilliant. I remember there were street performers and there were there were uh, musicians mm. and there were people in costume. And there, I remember going back the next year and they changed it. The, the uh, branding was Gay Fest and. Um, Maybe it was a rose-coloured glasses thing, but it wasn't. It wasn't the, the same. Mm-hmm. It was um, it, you were sort of paying for an armband to get onto Canal Street. You could do the, you know, what you were doing any other night. Where I remember that Pride was, it, it was like a carnival. It, um, I think yeah, I think it was. I think it was Gay Mardi Gras. There oh, we go. Yes, 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 that's what they called it, yeah. and it was a carnival. And um, I, uh, you know, I I met several young men whilst I was there. <laughs> Some that I met and. Pubs, some that yes. I met that were also part of Manchester Youth Theatre. I also met several young ladies while I was there as well. So you know, mm. I was um, I was very much equal opportunity. Yes, yes, <laughs> spreading the love. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Sharing. Um, and okay. um, yeah. When, when did I tell? Oh, the other question. When did yes. I tell my parents? I had my first long term. I mean, I I had. Uh, many a dalliance with a young man or a young lady, and then I had some girlfriends in my first year of sixth form college and then I had my first long-term boyfriend I think it was midway through my first year Mm -hmm. and we were doing uh, where where I did my A-levels they and I, I, I adore I adore plays I'm all about language but I'm again equal opportunities I love a good musical as well uh I'm I without sounding terribly grand it's about storytelling yeah so if, if it's a musical with a great story yeah, yeah. then, I, then I, I love it and I especially love a musical that's, that's got a great book as well mm. um, and they the college didn't do musicals so we a group of us got together sorry I'm going a bit diagonal yeah, that's answer, fine. but a group of us got together and decided that we wanted to put on a musical so we did sort of and we, we we put on these musicals for a couple of years and I remember I'd met this chap and he came to the last night party. Uh-huh. Hello Dolly. Um, how glamorous. How glamorous moment. indeed. I know. And so that must have been around 2000, 2001, I think. Yes. And he then became my first long-term boyfriend. And so it was around then that I told my mum not sure how long but he he was a year older than me so he was in manchester already at university mm-hmm. so i used to go on the train and visit him and i remember just one day saying um mum do you know who blah blah is and she just looked at me he's your boyfriend <laughs> oh really oh yeah <laughs> i'm not stupid that's a stupid question yeah and yeah. she at that point said i said well does dad know and she said well yeah I think so and she said do you want me to talk to him and she said let me talk to him uh, because I mean it was I, I, I don't know what, what she thought his reaction would be whether she thought he knew it, it, I think she just saw it as a given mm. um, 
but she said, oh, no, let me, let me speak to him, because I think she wanted to, uh, what's the word, uh, protect me if the reaction Just was going case. to be bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then about two nights later, maybe a few nights later, but it was within, within a week, this, this young chap came over one evening after he'd been to uni, and we, my dad said, um, my dad's a feeder, my dad is, he always is, <laughs> and he, he's, a, he's a fantastic cook, and he likes to feed people, and he said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll make something when, uh, when he comes and blah, 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 and, um, he, you know, the words always out of my dad's mouth, Wait, is he going to want feeding, if anybody's <laughs> coming over, everybody, all my friends used to come and be fed, yeah. it, was, it was a lovely year, they were really welcoming, and anyway, this young man came over, and my dad made, I think it was fish and chips, yeah. and he put it on the table in the dining room, and lit a candle in the middle of Oh, I know. And that was that. I mean, my dad just wasn't bothered in the least. Yeah, yeah. And they were completely supportive. They were they were really welcoming to him. They, uh, I don't think they necessarily liked him very much. But that was not because he was a, <laughs> no, a man. It was just because they didn't like him. They didn't like him. Yeah, I think so. Fair enough. And so, um, again, I'm extraordinarily lucky because it, it could have been and there are plenty of examples of it of it, of it yeah. not being that easy and so it was for me um, and well, I'm very to grateful to my parents for that yeah and I think that's good to hear because you know there are so many stories of it being negative and actually that quite often it's alright and that if you think your parents are going to be alright they probably are going to be alright I think that's something I think to... you generally know though don't you yeah I mean I, I even though my parents are very liberal I wasn't I was I was scared to because of what media had told me actually mm. more than anything else um, that you might get a bad reaction and then of course it was fine but yeah and I think that's 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 changed and it's also now, yes exactly it's which is lovely yeah um, I um, I as I said I, I go back to my old youth theatre as much as I can you know at least once a year mm. um, if not two or three times if I can manage it and get mm-hmm. back there between other jobs and, and try and do a masterclass or or just even if they're doing a show I might just stage stage a sequence for them or something to work with them mm-hmm. um, and the same with my old sixth form college as well I you know, try and go back there and, yeah, and do the drama school talk and all that but I've seen so many uh, young people now you know even 10, 11, 12 that are so comfortable mm-hmm. with their sexuality and it's completely open mm-hmm. and all the other children know and, and that's really Oh, well, I mean, absolutely. Amazing. Yeah, thank goodness that it is, you know. And long may that please continue. Yes. Um, here, here. Staying on that, who was there a person, um, I, I asked this to most people, was there a crush <laughs> on, a, on a celebrity uh, or a, a public figure that, that, uh, <laughs> that you recall? For a second there, I thought, I don't think I can remember, but I actually can. So I remember, I do, I do like a shapely pair of legs. And yes. <laughs> I remember very much enjoying, this is so ridiculous, it's on one of the video, the VHS covers for one of the National Lampoon. <laughs> with yeah. Chevy Chase. Chevy Chase is wearing a pair of denim ripped off jeans and he's got extraordinary legs. It's not really Chevy Chase. No, no, it's no, a yeah. it's a painting. But I remember being quite interested in that, thinking, oh there was not I mean Chevy Chase was a very good looking oh, man yes. when he was younger. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not sure his legs were quite that shapely. But uh I definitely used to sneak a look at that VHS cover. Yeah. Um but my f- <laughs> my first crush was Billy the Blue Ranger in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. 
Oh my goodness. Now, I think we've had this discussion <laughs> actually in the pub after a few wines. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean... Loved him. But 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 why? <laughs> Let's just um, t- tell the listeners exactly I why. <laughs> I think... And I, if you don't know, go and Google, pause, Google, come back to us. He's a very good looking man, but he was playing this sort of bumbling nerd. And I, I think I th- there was a mixture of sort of... What a fun character. I'd quite like to be that character. Uh, right. And then mixed in with... I don't, you know, I don't think it was a crush in the terms of I... I mean, I certainly didn't know what to do Yeah, yeah, with yeah, it. yeah. Um, but, you were drawn to. Yeah, yes, there we go. That's that's the better way of wording it. And he, he is a very interesting man, actually, because if you were to Google, the actor is called David Yost. I think that's how you pronounce it, Yost. Mm. And um, he had a very difficult time on set because he was openly gay. Oh, interesting. Yes, ah. and apparently it was not a very inclusive environment to say the least. And he eventually uh-huh. left. And he speaks quite openly about it now. He's now a, a TV producer because I, you know, years later, I think only in the last couple of years, I ended up. You know, when you have one of those days when you're you're sitting on the train and you think, well, I've not bought a book to read. I've not got any work to do. I'm just going to Google something. Somebody nonsense. Can, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And you think, I wonder what you know, such yeah. a, such somebody from Saved by the Bell is doing. And anyway, yes. I, I looked him up, and um, he's a, a really interesting interesting chap. But I, th- I think I think he and Chevy Chase with the legs. Oh oh oh, Link the character from The Legend of Zelda, but he was computer animated. Okay, so he well, see, that's allowed. Because I had Fred from Scooby-Doo. Fred from Scooby-Doo? Mm. Oh, see, I'd be more Barney, but okay. I like it. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not John Goodman playing Fred in the live no, no, action. The, the, no, the actual, the, the, the original cartoon Fred. Even with, he had a, like a yellow scarf in a jaunty tie to match Daphne's but yeah anyway um, so yeah animations are oh out. sorry Scooby Doo Scooby Doo I thought sorry I've just caught up I was <laughs> where were you oh, well I mean oh. that might be more now that's why I said no yeah because that's why I said John Goodman oh sorry oh, I John Goodman was he in it Oh, of course. Oh, no. Well, Fred and Scooby-Doo yes. is hot, right? There you go. There you go. Oh, he's gorgeous. I can... Yeah, absolutely. And everybody wanted to be Daphne because you'd be saved by Fred. Yeah. I and mean, she had fantastic hair. And she had such a... She had a weave on her. <laughs> Love her. It's Freddie Prince Jr., wasn't it, in the live action yes. version? Yes. Yes. Who I'd rather have the cartoon. Mm-hmm. Though, anyway, he's a very <laughs> nice man. We're not dissing. Moving swiftly <laughs> on. So, um, we talked about when you first took the stage. What's going to be my next question? Um... But so so heroes and heroines outside of crushes and 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 outside of family hmm. um, and teachers. Again, I always find this quite interesting. People in the public eye that you, if you did indeed have anybody, you don't have to have done. But did you have heroes, heroines, especially when you started to kind of be interested in and theatres and movies and performance and somebody that ticked all those boxes. Well. Back? With with me, it was more I was drawn, I think, to specific styles and genres. As right. to, later on, you know, people um, came from that. But it, I, I, I really, I loved comedy. I used to love, I love anything dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I love comedy in general, but especially love something quite dry. And I like things that are quite surreal. Also, mm. I remember big 
film of my younger years was Clueless, the movie Clueless. Because oh, okay. it's just so funny. I mean, yeah, yeah, line yeah, yeah. after line after line. I love a good one-liner. Um, and so I loved Clueless. What and year then... did Clueless come out? I'm trying to date it. Oh, gosh. Oh. I was at high school. It was early, early 90s. Early 90s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It might be mid-90s, but it's, it's, um, it's, quite, it's, it's, it's quite a long time ago now. And yeah. they, they, I think actually people look at it and they think that that's how people dress in the 90s. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they specifically tried to create a uh, sort of f- uh, fantastical version of what spoiled, rich Beverly Hills teenagers might be wearing. So um, it's a real extreme version. Mm. Um, so I think in a way that's helped it sort of not date because it doesn't look, re- it lo- looks like a cartoon. Um, so I, I watched it last year or the year before I think and I, I, it didn't feel dated to me yeah, but yeah. Clueless was a big comedy movie that I liked I and how about that. English comedians and comedians comedians and comedians well I think the way I, th- I found my way into it with American comedy definitely okay uh, I love the Adams Family and the Adams Family values the movies because again it's line after line mm. after line and the birdcage was a huge huge film for me um and then through those again listeners do stop google oh the birdcage is go and watch fun. it on youtube and then come back to us again because uh, yeah there's definitely one it's, to... I, I love the birdcage and i know that some people think that the, the relationships are might be slightly problematic by today's standards but i don't think yeah i don't think you are necessarily supposed to like the sun at all points um and you certainly don't when you watch the film uh-huh. and i don't think I don't think the answer is to is to uh, sugarcoat him and make him like because I don't think he is supposed to yeah, be like yeah. um, he's he's extraordinarily selfish. I think I, I always felt that he, they didn't he didn't have enough of a turnaround at the end because he clearly does and he loves um, both his parents in that sort of final reveal where he says this is my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers, sorry guys. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's supposed to go well, before I mean, yeah, it, isn't it? It's fine. It's, it's an old fine, film. You know, it's fine old film. Um, if you haven't seen, and it's still very funny. And you know what's going to happen anyway. Yeah. But uh, yeah, maybe he could have had more of a turnaround. But yeah, the uh, English. Yeah. I loved Faulty Towers. Right. I think I sort of got into into it with the American stuff first, and really thought, oh, I really, I really have a taste for this. Mm. And then the English stuff, I like. Yeah, Faulty Towers definitely. Um, I can't think of much other stuff. Victoria at Wood and people like that. It is so odd. I never really watched Victoria Wood. I don't think my dad liked Victoria Wood, so she often wasn't on the TV. Right. It's only as an adult that I that I came to her work. I've kind of gone back to. Yeah, her. I mean, I remember reading some of her monologues and things in in books when I was in my mid to late teen years doing lambda exams and things. Mm. And, and then as I got older going back and watching watching it but no I didn't I didn't watch it when I was younger we, oh, okay. Fraser or Fraser was um, a fixture of the house we yeah, used to watch that yeah it's interesting that you had American comedy yeah. as a first because quite often I think it's, it's, it's the other way around and I mean you know I started off with Dad's Army and worked my way to the Frasers of the world rather than the other way mm. around sort of thing but I certainly watched things like that you know if a lower low came on I would watch a lower low and thought it was just brilliant the oddball the whole yeah. thing I didn't understand at the time well, I can't remember how young I was when I first saw it but the the chap that's speaking in the broken English is actually supposed to be 
English trying to speak French. Yeah. I, I, I didn't get that. And that is, that is so clever. It's, it's such a brilliant, brilliant device. And so mm. later on, I figured that out. I must have been young when I first yeah. saw it. God, yeah. But I saw, you know, um, things like the British Empire. Birds of a Feather. Oh, I used to love Birds of a Feather. <laughs> but these were things I'd just see the odd episode yeah. of. Uh, but the, you know, the stuff that I really, um, I really got into is the, the American stuff. Oh, and okay. I, um, I liked animation as well. Um, especially funny animation, but it was it was definitely as you say sort of going back yeah. to the English stuff later on when I really thought okay I want to be a comedy scholar so I yeah. need to know it all. It seems like in, it seems I'd say that America's had quite a American Americana has quite a big influence on on you. Yeah, in, I think in, so. In, in, in musical, well, definitely musicals because you know the, the film the, and the Americans they really in terms of musical theatre they they really. Um, they defined the form. They 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 really developed, especially the musical comedy. Mm. Um, you know, we were doing operetta, and they, you know, they do say American musical theatre is an American art form. Um, and I would agree with that. Really, they were the ones that defined it as as we know it now, and it's a much bigger part of their culture than it is of ours. Yeah. Really, yeah. Um, and so the I guess start. The only people that I would w- keep returning to, I mean, Nathan Lane now, I just think is extraordinary, but it wasn't, mm. again, we you know, we didn't have the internet, so I wasn't, I wasn't, now if I see somebody that I think is brilliant, I think, I want to know, oh, yeah. I want to know right now, yeah. um, and I do my little research time, since I've watched it, I have to spend five minutes knowing everything about them, I'm yeah. a bit like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, we didn't have that then, so I'm sure if I had the internet, I'd be, I did have the internet, because mid 90s but not using it in the same way because no. um, well, you not, had their not <laughs> but it would take hours to get to <laughs> and then Connie would cut you off picture. goodbye <laughs> yes. Connie on AOL what a bitch and I remember yeah, I remember some of my some of my teenage years trying to get on Gaydar and being very frustrated <laughs> <laughs> with Connie cutting me off thinking I could, this could be the love of my life Connie there's a show there yeah I think about so about Connie but yeah so, so I but yes know, the Bernadette Peters of the world I remember yes. seeing on Hey Mr. Producer and then she was in that Cinderella with Brandy and she's also in the movie of Annie uh-huh. so she was somebody that I thought oh you're very funny I like uh-huh. you um, now, so I am going musicals. to give you some time at the end to gush about Hello Dolly <laughs> which we will very good which, which, which you know I want to I want to yeah because <laughs> not the world managed to see it uh, though they might do but anyway who knows if that's true or not um, so Guildford School of Acting so let's jump there right. you got in and everything was going so you, you, were, you were clearly happy to get in I was very happy um, to get in I followed I quite literally followed the postman one day <sighs> down the street because I was waiting <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> um, I um, I was I was so desperate to know and the, the waiting was driving me crazy and one day <laughs> I followed him and said do you have any posts for blah 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 number and he said oh yeah yeah I'll be coming back and it was that day that um, I found out so yes I was very very happy indeed yeah. to get in so you're there and things are ticking along mm-hmm. and what point was it during your time I think I know the answer but anyway just for everybody <laughs> what point during that procedure of three years did you think... It was a procedure with no anaesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> no anaesthetic. No. <laughs> Raw to the bone. Mm-hmm. Um, did you... What What point did you say, right, I think I want to be directing and writing, basically? Long story short. 
Well, I'd started directing um, when I was in my sixth form because you know it said that they they weren't doing musicals, so I was getting my play fix, and we were doing we were doing loads and loads of plays. Mm. We were doing a play every sort of fortnight. Some sometimes devised, sometimes text. So that that was just great, mm. and I was doing loads of. Play. I was with three or four different Amdram groups and doing plays all the time. Musicals, uh, not so much. And um, yeah, I sort of felt that I needed that in my in my education. So we set up this company. So I I directed those. I directed. So this is pro- yes. Yeah. 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 No, I was um, okay. 16, 17, 18. I'd started directing, um, and uh, and done a few sort of classic musicals at that point. Uh, and they were all musicals that I directed because, as, as I say, it was it was. I was, I was getting my play fix elsewhere. Mm. When I got to drama school, I I think I think oh, it's difficult to remember. I think I thought that I might want to direct at some point. Mm. Um, I didn't have a very good experience whilst I was at drama school. To be totally honest, it was without bit... names and and specific situations, what was the general what was the general thing that, 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 oh. that you didn't like about it because well, I've talked about mine it's going to sound a bit moany but there were two no things I mean in my first year I I remember wanting to be worked hard this is by the by but to begin with mm. I wanted to be worked harder right you know I had um, I, I had sort of I you know you could cut me down the middle and there was just theatre in my veins because it was all I'd been doing for the past six seven years you know every night yeah, as i yeah. say uh, uh, rehearsing for something different and um I, I always felt that i needed to be watching or reading a new play a new piece a new musical and and we were worked really hard mm. at the at the youth theater that i was at I mean, we really really worked at it and it was a little gentle for me at the beginning right. um, so i didn't That's I, I, found interesting. That, I found that frustrating gentle. but I, I remember just thinking well just you know um don't be a brat about it. Just uh, soak, soak it up and, mm. and get on with it. But uh, And it certainly got more intense, but I didn't have... <laughs> I didn't have a very good relationship with the head of the course. Okay. Um, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I, I will talk about it because it's like therapy now. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, go for it. <laughs> it's been long enough that I think I probably can talk yeah. about it. I... Um, it was around my second year and because I was a bit of, of, of an anorak, um, a theatre anorak, I had done quite well writing some essay, I think in sort of a history of theatre or playtext class or history mm-hmm. of musical theatre or playtext, something like that. Um, and it, I, I wasn't, I really wasn't annoying, bullshit, um, I know everything type student I just wasn't I, I was I was quite quiet actually and I would I just wanted to do the work yeah um, and I wanted the knowledge but I, I you know I just I wanted to do the work and be better anyway there was a class at some point in my second year and um, the head we hadn't been taught by him until that point and he stood in front of the class and he obviously either read this essay or I, or I don't I still don't know or the the teacher had said oh um you know, he's a smarty pants, he knows lots about theatre, blah, 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 blah. So in front of the class, he said, oh, well, I hear you know a lot about theatre. Should I be worried? Do you want my job? <laughs> and then the whole class, I remember, turned and looked at me. And mm. I just, I remember smiling, saying, oh, no, um, something on those lines. No, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 
fine where I am, thank you mm. very much. And um, then he asked me a question. He threw some trivia at me, of which I knew the answer, but I mm. said, oh, I don't know. And he said, oh, well, I thought you knew a lot about theatre. And he loathed me from that moment. And I look back now and I think, if maybe I had played the game a bit more and I've been a bit more manipulative would I have had a better drama school career but I just wasn't interested in doing that I thought I'm doing the work I'm doing the work Mm -hmm. and I'm I uh, my etiquette is good I Mm -hmm. behave well in rehearsals I'm respectful Um, I'm always prepared and then why why and he, he hated me and it became more and more apparent as the time went on um, and then, so I was quite miserable, really, to be honest. I was right. I was not very happy in my second and third year, especially the third year. And I had some good friends who, my uh, good friend Andy, who, I mean, at some points, I had a really good friend Sarah and a good friend Andy, who, I mean, had to drag me through it at some points. I might just be so, um, just so deflated and miserable by the end of the day, because I would quite literally be ignored. Uh, if you would, mm. you, you would uh, volunteer for something and he would look directly at me and then turn away and look at somebody else. It was so blatant. Mm. Um, and then I, in my, the in my third year, um, I was told by somebody, you know, you can look, go and look at your file. And I said, what, what do you mean my file? What's my file? And they said, oh, the file with, with all of your marks and feedback and everything from your audition to now it's all in one file and we're allowed to go and look at it so I didn't didn't know that so mm. I thought alright this is interesting I'll go and look at my file and um, and this is going to sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet and I don't I, that, that's not the purpose of me telling you this no. but when I went and looked in the file it, I had my audition notes and I think there were four or five pages of tick boxes and they were supposed to um, you know it, uh, you know things like um, communication voice or the other other yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Or different components yeah, yeah. so that they're, they're trying obviously you know it's yeah. tick box so they can watch you and they can yeah. tick this stuff yeah. as they go along and then at the end there was a paragraph for comments i think they'd filled in maybe three of 50 tick boxes or whatever it was and then he stopped and he wrote across the page he wrote across the page in giant writing this boy is fab three exclamation marks underlined and that was it and I remember sitting and crying with this this file in my hand because I just thought, how did I how did I start off with that and end up like this? Um, and you know, I could go I could go into massive details and and give you examples of, but I'm not going to because it'd just be it's mm. it's moany moany and well, it's not what people want to hear. But but it's the point that changed. But it it, it, it was this has made it, it was it made it, such an impact. It really really did, and you know in the. In the in our final show, the uh, musical director ended up giving me a part. We did the musical of Titanic, mm-hmm. and in Titanic there are lots and lots and lots of characters, and there's this one chap, um, Wallace Hartley, who was the band leader on the Titanic. Mm-hmm. In, in reality, he was yeah, the band yeah, leader, yeah. and um, he plays the violin. Sort of mime plays the violin in most productions, I would imagine, and sings this sort of quite lovely. Um, uh, sort of ragtime pastiche called mm-hmm. the latest rag, mm-hmm. and it hadn't been cast. And the MD said, "Well, then you should be singing. You should. Uh, you should do this." Yeah, I had a couple of little because uh, there were so many characters. I had a few different speaking parts, and I, um, I he gave me that. And then it was the head who was directing it, and he was furious, not happy that I'd been given that. And so he went out of his way to stage it in a way that he thought I wouldn't be able to do it. 
I was so by that point it was becoming blatant some of the other people in the year um, it was awful some of the other (laughs) some of the other people in the year were aware but not many Um, you know for no fault of of their own people are they're they're focusing on their own journey aren't they of course well yeah but to round it off what happened was um, I I failed I failed my dissertation Mm. Um, I think quite rightly I don't think I fully um ticked all the boxes but i'd only had one of four tutorials because they got cancelled and i was never all that but i i I don't this sounds like poor me but anyway i failed uh and so i i mean i still graduated and Mm. i didn't graduate so i you know i I finished the course and I, i got an agent and i went out and i started auditioning but i didn't have my degree and so a few years later my mum said to me you know i'd really i'd love it if you went and got the degree I sort of left enough time then that I thought um, there's the, some of the wounds have healed a little, so I'll go back and do it. And I had to do a conversion course, so I spent some time going going back and forth. And uh, the, the 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 end of the story is I at that point because I was no longer a student, I ended up in a room with several other faculty members who said, "We're so glad that you've come back to do this." He hated you oh right so it was so, said and it was yeah. known and it was yeah. wow and it that oh, weirdly was was quite cathartic because at least then i could say well at least it's not in my own head yeah you know and they said no nope, your name nobody was allowed to say anything good about you and this director wanted to cast you in such and such thing and there's no you went straight back into the ensemble and you did and you etc 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 um so it was yeah it wasn't uh, but i survived and yeah. um well, yeah. I, you know i i don't want that to sound like i'm um, uh, making excuses and saying, "Oh, poor old me," but it it was a pretty shitty experience. So, do you think that's that is is has led, has led to you to, to to what you're doing now? <sighs> do you think that is the that was the turning point where you just went? Is it always was it a question? Is this always going to be like this, or was it just like, no? Do you know what? God, yeah, I just don't know. I'm I'm mix of all of those. All I'm of sure that. it must have had some yeah. uh, sway. I. I, I in in the in that third year, I, I that's when I started writing. I'd never really written anything right. before. Um, so yes, yeah, so I was going to say when yeah when you start yeah, yeah well there'd been there'd been a uh, a project at one point in the course where sort of it was and this was specifically about musicals to understand the um, uh, uh, structure and setup of a musical. You had to. Um, present uh, like pitch for a musical and you could you could take songs from other musicals and say it'll be a song like this here it'll be a song like that mm-hmm. that sort of thing so you didn't it was for everybody you didn't have to be able to actually write it was yeah. to understand the structure but I wrote a little bit I wrote sort of two scenes and a story and um, had quite a lot of nice feedback and thought oh I quite enjoyed doing this and yeah. then I just started writing it for fun completely just for fun in my third year and I was sitting in the dressing room uh, of Titanic, and <laughs> I, mean, I, had to do quite, I had to do quite a ridiculous routine whilst I was singing the song. <laughs> because the idea was to sort of do something that he thought I might not be able to do, and I was determined. I mean, if he'd asked me to backflip on the top, I was going to be able to do it. I thought, I'm going to show you. I will be able to do this, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, then the next the next step was he said well I don't want people to know it's you so he gave me a giant comedy moustache and a big pair of like Harry Potter glasses <laughs> <laughs> seriously in the Titanic you know turn of the century Titanic there I am um, and I did this sort of quite weird 
ragtime routine, even though I'm just supposed to be stood there playing the violin. I mean, none of it was historically accurate anyway. <laughs> it's so dear. Whilst doing an Irish jig, whilst oh, juggling. Lordy, lordy. Oh, lordy, lordy. So, so doing that, and a friend of mine said, uh, a friend of mine who wasn't at school, who was a friend from back home, yeah. uh, said, I really want to, I think I want to produce something. Um, I, I think I've got some money. I want to put something on. So I said, right, well, I'm going to finish this piece. Let's do that. And that was sort of the beginning of it. And I very much went in blind. Mm. I, I mean, I didn't structure it. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I had sort of a synopsis, but I just I just started writing. Yeah, and, yeah. And um, I put this show on. We put it on the theatre museum that no longer exists in Covent yeah, Garden. Yeah. Uh, I don't quite know what it is. I think it's a, a, an exhibition space, maybe. I don't know, because I know it just stopped existing. Yeah. I, had, I don't know. I, yeah, anyway. Well, I think for anybody that, that wants to see some of the exhibition, I think it some of it still exists at the V&A, I think. But they used to have the Aslan oh. head from the BBC... Uh, line yeah, the yeah, wardrobe yeah, yeah. and oh yeah I remember just loving that yeah. um, but they had a studio space in there and we rented that and we did a three week run um, with some uh, other students from Guildford yeah. and we put this show on um, and then that's all got the ball rolling in terms of that okay. side of my career so I did I did I did a bit of acting because I was in the show at that at uh-huh. that point uh-huh. Um I was in it, I directed it and was in it, which is not a good idea by any by any stretch of the imagination. No, I'm not sure it's not something I'd do again. Everybody, no, no, no. Uh, but you know, I was young and naive and I did yeah. that. And um, then I did a couple of things acting wise. To be completely honest, I think deep down somewhere in my soul I had made the decision, I don't want to do this, I want to direct. I was I was really turned on and excited by the process of putting putting a story together, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I discovered I really enjoy working with actors. I really, I really, really like working with actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, di- I auditioned. I did a couple of things, but I mean, I only did about three years before I thought no. Mm-hmm. And I just I remember sort of getting an audition for something and thinking, uh, <laughs> do I have it to? Because I want to write. I should be doing yeah. Um, that's interesting that, yeah. and I just thought I shouldn't be doing this because there are people that will bite off my hand to have that audition and mm-hmm. it just seems so selfish and wrong to be taking up that place and it felt wrong yeah, yeah. I thought I shouldn't be doing this as somebody else that hasn't got an agent and, and desperately wants to be doing it so I, I can't just go eh, I don't want to do that I don't want to do that and and you know think I'll just tread water for a while and maybe I'll get something I enjoy no you either yeah. you either want to do it or you don't yeah. so I was in I was in a production of Peter Pan at the King's Head Theatre so for anybody that doesn't know the King's Head Theatre yes it was the first pub theatre apparently the first pub theatre in the UK I think I've heard that yeah before. back in the Slaying, 70s yeah. Yeah. And um, there are quite a few pub theatres now. I mean, there are less than there were five years ago, but because quite a few of them have disappeared. Yeah, they? sadly. And they're great places for people to to try out work, um, and and for people to get their first acting job a lot of the oh, time. Yeah. And so many people. So the King's Head, the the pub was covered with pictures of actors that had got their first job or had had a job, maybe not their first job, mm-hmm. and the most extraordinary people. I mean, mm-hmm. it was. Uh, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant and Victoria Wood have performed there and then you had musical uh, well I was going to say Janie D she's not a musical theatre actress she's an actress who can do musicals mm-hmm, and both. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she'd done something there and um, oh god who else 
else? Um, Timothy West. Mm. Um, just loads and loads and loads oh, yeah, of people. Oh, yeah, so much stuff. Uh, just fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was in this production of Peter Pan in the tiny theatre. I think it seats 140. I don't think it sat 140 then because they used to do dinners. I don't know. Did you ever go there when they did no. that? I yeah, yeah. Oh, you must have been there. How oh, funny! Dinner. Yeah, they had tables and they had they had these benches and tables. Yeah, quite tatty at that point. And they used right. to do a dinner before the show. At that point, it was on its way out. People weren't really booking for the dinner anymore, but the cast used to get any leftovers. So we used to get fantastic. I don't remember that. Wow. Yeah. At least okay. once a week, it was brilliant. At least once a week, we'd have a roast. Um, and we did Peter Pan in there. It was Leonard Bernstein's Peter Pan. Uh huh. Um, and I had a great time doing that. I was quite miscast as, as John, <laughs> the middle child. Um, I don't think I was particularly very good. Um, for, for, I mean, that, I could go on about that for 10 minutes. But basically, yeah. you know, he's, written, he's written to be quite dry and sarcastic. Okay. But we had, Michael was played by a child. We had three children rotating as Michael. And then Wendy, you know, she's written to be a child sort of playing at being a grown-up. So Wendy's, it makes sense to have a young lady playing Wendy. But for John, you know, and because it's a, because it was a tiny theatre, they, they wanted it to be quite naturalistic. I remember saying, but if I say these lines as myself, mm. I'm going to sound like a really cynical 20-something-year-old. <laughs> I'm not going to sound like a 10-year-old. <laughs> and so then, you know, in rehearsal, they'd right, say, yeah. oh, no, you're right. Okay, well, maybe you are going to have to do, you know, in inverted commas, child acting which meant that then I had to sort of do slightly oh, no, no, no. heightened child oh, no, acting, no. but the audience are inches away from it, you know. <laughs> I remember from about the third row or something, and oh no. But I loved it. It was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, then the artistic director there, um, we became friends, and it was, it was, it was, the whole thing was just mad. We were performing under another show, <laughs> about 30 people in the cast, so there were people getting changed over the road in the hairdresser, there were people upstairs, um, and because there's just no space there whatsoever. Yeah. But it was just this brilliant, mad adventure, um, doing, I think it was mostly two shows a day, mm-hmm. uh, and then they, there was a show on in the evening, and, um, you know, we became sort of like a family for that period, and I became pals with the artistic director and that then the show that I wrote looping back again the show mm-hmm. that I wrote at the uh, that, not at the, the show that I wrote that was on at the theatre museum, museum then went on at the King's Head and that was properly the beginning of okay you're a writer now here we go so that's now correct me if I'm wrong your show Betwixt started at the King's Head well that yes and, yes. and it was called Enchanted to begin with there we go. And it was at the yes. theatre museum, and it was you know. Oh right, okay. Mm, yeah, so it was it was that one. The original the original inspiration was eighties fantasy movies like Mannequin and yeah. um, and mixed with sort of eighties adventure like adventures in babysitting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the original draft, the people from the fantasy world were coming over into the real world. Eventually, it became people from our world going over there but there was a princess that arrived and because she was dressed as a princess people thought she was a stripper I eventually decided this wasn't a very good idea and I got rid of it but if you were to google enchanted the movie Mm. the same year the first draft had a princess who arrived in New York and people thought she was a stripper because she was in princess costume and they were both called enchanted 
which is very weird. I mean, that's timely. Really... Yeah. But thankfully, both, both Disney and I, we were, we all said that's not a great idea. Let's just yeah, yeah, different. yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but so we changed the title to Betwixt because they're betwixt and between two yeah. worlds, and um, it it developed more. It, it's. It, Do you want to give it just a, a kind of brief synopsis? So we know what it's about. <laughs> I'm sort of trying to skirt around it because it's very much it's very much a first piece of work. I, I hitting okay. the marks, hitting the marks. Okay, so it's about a, a writer of fairy tales. He wants to write he wants to write fantasy stories for grown ups and young adults. Um, I mean that's a huge market now, but it wasn't necessarily no, then. No. And he was he the whole idea was him trying to convince people that there's this market for this, and he wants to write escapist stuff for for grown up people. Oh. And um, he gets sucked into a parallel dimension where he is going to fulfil a prophecy. So there's a um, very acerbic um, sidekick who happens to be a homosexual, and him uh, who arrive, and, and the, the idea is that sort of you've got the wide eyed fantasist. And the acerbic guy to sort of undercut it. So I wanted to sort of design it so that you could come and see it. If you're a real fantasy lover, you could completely get on board with the fantasy. Mm-hmm. Or you could, your other way in was, he's called Cooper Fitzgerald, who would always say something withering about the strange situations that were going on. And you could sort of get on board with him either. Um, or you could get on board with him either way. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they arrive in this fantasy kingdom and they fulfill a prophecy that they're going to be <laughs> the land's going to be saved by a conquering hero and a great queen not quite sure how i feel about that joke now but it got a massive laugh at the time um and i mean he was he was very much um a uh, very sort of dry intelligent um he was an actor and uh, just had <laughs> had no time for the sort of the fantasy and then as it went on he you know his journey was that he became more accepting about connecting with the child inside all that sort of yeah, yeah, yeah um and they went on this journey and and lots of sort of bizarre characters and there was a disembodied head and blah 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 oh, yes. very 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 much a first piece of writing but um it it did it did very well with the audience in terms of the gags landed. I mean, yeah. we, we got a really good response from the comedy and people were very enthused by the writing of it. I I don't know whether I'd go back to it at some I think if I was to come back to it with a more mature pen, I would um I I would make some changes to it. But something I'm enormously proud of. Sure, absolutely, because I'm gonna say this is also to, to take us take the audience through to the point where the, so it went from Theatre Museum to King's Head, mm. King's Head to to the West End to the Trafalgar Studios. To the Trafalgar yeah. Studios. Now there were three different productions. The first one I was in and I directed. I was Enchanted. Then I was in it at the King's Head. That was my last. Okay. Um, yeah, my last time on stage. That's a bit of a lie. It was on at the King's Head, um, directed by somebody else, and then we did a one night concert version of it in the West End uh, for charity um, with. Because uh, there's lots of doubling in the show, but you know each part was played by a different person. Sheridan Smith was the princess, um, yeah. the very fabulous Josephina Gabrielle was um, the nymph queen. Tim Hower, um, for people that are musical theatre fans, he, oh actually Tim is the uh, he's the the current lead singer with Mike and the Mechanics. Um, All right. Yeah, he's he's just I think he's about to play the Phantom in Phantom of the Opera shortly. He's just fab- wow. so we had this this fab bonkers yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, concert, and then. It was 2011, so that was around 2008. I absolutely 
stopped acting said nope I'm, I'm done now um it's just my my passion you know there's no the passion isn't truly there so i shouldn't be doing it yeah. um i'm going to direct and write and um i i started doing things like i i did a fair bit of ghost writing um i've ghost written a few bits and pieces that obviously i can't tell no. you about. <laughs> well, we can <laughs> talk about later. yeah absolutely i made some money doing that yeah um and then was exploring over the next couple of years different writing directing projects went and signed with a, an agent as a writer and a director left my acting agent um and the wheels began turning and then betwixt was on in 2011 at the trafalgar studios and i you know i'd done i'd, I'd hung up my my actor's hat and you dropped um, struck. <laughs> yeah absolutely and um i i directed that one uh, and that was great fun and that really was then the king said was sort of the first step and then the trafalgar studios was really the sort of takeoff when mm. i started getting meetings for various projects and uh, and you know started getting work on the back of it and it was a very it was a, it was it was you know it's a lot of firsts i um it was only a small theatre but we were in london and uh, you know we, we had yeah, eyes to, on to, us. just to just to tell an audience mm. from uh, the us mm. or australia that this theatre if you haven't been to london is literally slap bang in the center right next to trafalgar square yeah trafalgar studios is you couldn't be more central yeah so, it's yeah. Whitehall. it's right by charing cross state like yeah right by it's two three minutes walk if you yeah. walk fast five minutes if you don't um and it's got you know, a great reputation yeah it does and it's got a bigger space upstairs and then the smaller space that we were in downstairs um it's an atg theater it's you know it's really it's a great it was really well um you know taken care of it was it was basically like going one minute you're on off west end and bang <laughs> there you are in london and uh you know it was a big deal we were mm. getting we got uh broadsheets reviewing us and uh -huh. um it uh it never had quite enough money, really. Um, it would. It was still put together like a fringe piece, but there was something quite delightful about that, and you either got on board with it or you didn't. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there wasn't a coherent design or any or anything like right. that. But it uh, it did very well with the audience, and um, it holds a very special place in my heart. Matthew. No, of course, of course. <laughs> and you say that led to uh, well, to, to where you are now. Yeah. Via. Via. <laughs> By pantos, yes. Because I, I do have some sort of chrono chronological order of things. Um, uh, oh yes, so that was eleven. So twenty twelve was that your first? I might think that's your first. Yeah, it was. It was my first time doing panto. I did uh, commercial panto for the first time. Yeah. Um, which was great fun. Um, and that was sort of a, a big step in in my director life because you go and cut your teeth. Do it, leading a big tech and and working with a big set and a big star in panto a lot of the time, and um, of course panto again for people outside of the UK if you're not so uh, au fait with panto, it is about a lot of it is about uh, spectacle and 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 surprise and so that means technically yeah a, that stuff is going to be a lot of work so a, yeah American chap who I imagine you're going to come on to next who I worked on panto yes. with he described it as a fairy tale musical meets review and vaudeville which I think ah, is probably the best go. way yes. it's a fairy tale with That's lots true. of <laughs> review in the middle lots of um, uh, sort of just standalone comic scenes um, and and it is an English invention and it, it, it sort of based it began uh, as a 
sort of off not an offshoot but based on Commedia dell'arte so you know original panto used to have some of those stock characters in um pantaloon and etc etc et i can't yeah. remember any of the other ones but um then it grew into something different but yeah as you yeah, say yeah, yeah. It, it was it was big on spectacle and that that's sort of where where a lot of directors get their their first chance at, at doing something of that size so i was suddenly in a, a theatre. And you were excited about that? Oh, God. Intimidated by it. Oh, no, yeah. excited yeah. about it. Completely excited yeah. about it. I mean, I'd, I'd never done it before, but you just have to say, yep, I can, yeah. I can do that. I'm going to do it. And uh, my partner said to me, um, you know, are you going to be able to do it? And I said, well, I'm going to have to, aren't I? <laughs> there's, there's no two ways about it. Uh, and then suddenly I was in this, one, I think it's 1,500 seater uh, theatre. <laughs> out there in the auditorium with a mic in my hand and you say hold please and yeah. you know 20 crew and and however many actors and whatever every, the whole you know the yeah. whole building almost freezes yeah. um and uh it was yeah no i was more excited than than Dawn. it was, it was really to, really to, exciting yeah. and um and an extraordinary learning experience i mean i i, I learned so much from from doing that uh yeah and that there was so the first the first time was was in uh, where am I looking? You were in Aylesbury. I was with Russell Grant. It's quite a new theatre at that point in Aylesbury. I think it was only three years old. It was. Oh, okay. um, it's called the Waterside in Aylesbury. It's a really nice theatre. Really. Oh, it's love. I really, really, really enjoyed working there. We we got to rehearse in the theatre as well. Not always on stage, but um, in the theatre sometimes on stage before. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we rehearsed on stage eventually. Um, so I stayed down there. Um, and it was Russell Grant was Roger the Cabin Boy in Peter Pan, that very famous J M Barry character, Roger. <laughs> this is where the Americans <laughs> are going. What doubling? What don't remember? Yeah, uh, yeah. So also to say, Russell Grant, uh, for those again outside of the UK, was a, a celebrity astrologer. Yeah. Which is that the way you describe him? Yeah, yeah. But he was actually an actor first. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was. He was um, child stage school chap. Uh, did that and then did. Uh, I mean, it makes some sense. Musical. I mean, he was in Hans Christian Andersen, the musical with Tommy Steele. Oh right, okay. The Palladium. Yeah, he oh, you know so he did that okay. sort of stuff and then but he'd always been interested in astrology, and he uh, then became as you say a celebrity astrologer. Uh-huh. He just before Panto had done Strictly Come Dancing. Ah, uh, yeah. So he was uh, on the back of that had become yeah. um, huge. So back in the public. Yeah, very much so. And he um, he's just the most delightful man. Just lovely mm. and so humble. And still writes his own stars. He would do them every. I don't know if it was every day or what, however many times a week he was doing it for mm-hmm. various newspapers and things. He, but he would do it himself. He, he wasn't just his face on there. Yeah. He was he was in the um, in his dressing room consulting the charts wow. and, <laughs> and all that business. So it's all, um, he's, he, he's dedicated to, oh, his, he was just, to he his, was his art. Such a nice man. And he was great on stage. He re- he really he um, he was so nice to work with, um, and he. He was, you know, he was really dedicated to it being a good. I would work with him again. Mm. Proper hat, really nice man. Good. Yeah. Gonna jump onto the next person. Yes. The next year, um, and the Americans 
actually everyone in the world would probably know this name, Mr. Henry Winkler. Mr. Henry Winkler, the Fonz himself. And he was playing for you. Captain Hook there in Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was the same company. So the next year I was asked back. So it was the same, um, same set, same costumes and everything. Um, so that was great because I, you know, I absolutely, uh, I, I knew that I knew the physical production inside out yeah. by that point. Yeah. Um, and except they said well, it's, it's a homecoming because this set was built for Richmond I thought oh fantastic didn't quite fit Richmond though when I got there <laughs> and then you you know the other stories come out they say oh yeah I was around when it was built it was too big yeah. <laughs> don't tell me it's a homecoming <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh, uh, there was some thinking on thinking on my feet during the tech but uh, that's, that's part yeah. of the fun of it but yeah. Henry but was Henry, yeah. Captain Hook and is the most delightful man I mean the most giving generous he is a leading man on stage and off he mm-hmm. was just we going have... into a world that he didn't I think know. he'd done it he'd done it twice okay, before so he had four okay. yeah but only ever as Captain Hook and that's his only the, the, the only uh, panto experience he had was that um, because um, I mean I'm not sure whether he would there weren't really many other parts I don't think for him in Panto. I mean, he could probably play the, the villain in Jack and the Green. Oh, yeah, yeah, he could yeah. be a flesh creep or something like that. Yeah. But I don't think he's a Baron Harder or anything like that. No. I don't think that's him. It's not going to utilise no, his talents. No, Captain Hook makes Because he was brilliant. Sense. He was very funny. And he he was just a brilliant leading man in rehearsals. He was so, so dedicated and worked so hard. And a nice company member. Just a, the most the most glorious company member. Mm-hmm. He... He was so kind and so generous with the other actors. Very much would lead the company, and um, I don't think he's really, the 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 age old idea of, of leading man leading lady behaviour having a huge impact and trickling down to the company is true. You know, he was he, he was just such a a shining example of how how to behave. He was brilliant. And mm-hmm. he was so kind to the children as well because we had two sets of children. So we had two Johns and two Michaels and then we had two sets of Lost Boys and we also had um, the um, Tiger Lily's tribe. There were uh, children in those as well. Mm-hmm. So two sets of those. And they would arrive, we rehearsed, I think we rehearsed for two weeks. Yes, before tech. We rehearsed two weeks, mm-hmm. Monday to Saturday. And the children would be with us all day on Saturday, but mm-hmm. in the weekdays they'd come four thirty to six, something like that, after school. Of course, yeah. And he would meet them at the door, and he would greet every child individually, um, ask them how the day was, how school was going. He brought over um, crisp American dollars that he signed, so he gave each child American oh. dollars. Yeah, you know, but he spread this stuff out. So one day, when it was a really long day, mm. um, he would go over and say. Uh, you know, to everybody that does really well on stage, I'm going to give you a, a dollar. And everybody that's um, you know, that's that's really, I don't think he'd ever say well behaved. But he he talked to them like little adults. You know, but he'd say, you know, who whoever's got the best rehearsal etiquette's going to get a dollar. And I think he gave them copies of his book because he'd written, he's written a series of books called Hank Zipser, um, which is about a child with dyslexia because he is dyslexic okay. and had a very difficult time when he was growing up. Very difficult time when he was growing up. Mm. And speaks very openly about it. He's got an OBE for his work with. Um, he he's just yeah. he, he was he was a delight. And but the, the amazing thing as well is he, he would always come over and ask. So he'd say, "Do you mind if I go over and speak to the children? Do you mind if it?" He just he he was just he he's so mm. respectful and wonderful and just brilliant on stage. As I said, I mean, I could go on about him for hours because he's he's a lovely mm. man and um, uh, sounds like brilliant. Being a presumably he's got 
kids of his own. Yeah, he does. This all yeah. comes from being a good dad. I would imagine he is a great dad. Um, um, and uh, he's um, he's had a bit of a resurgence, really, in the past couple of years. He's on so many mm. American sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and good for him because he's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. He, he should be. He should be out there doing it because he's was very he on funny. Episodes. I don't know if he's been in episodes. It wouldn't surprise me. I feel like he was on episodes. He's in um, um, Parks and Recreation. Ah, right, okay. And he's he in Arrested Development quite a lot. Uh, maybe I saw him, but yeah, no, his his base is yeah back there again. Yeah, lot, back on um, American television. Um, um, okay, so let's jump to the Kenton Theatre Henley, which is mm. where I worked with you, and how you first came about working with them and Sherlock Holmes. Well, I... <clears throat> and it's a beautiful theatre, oh, and Henley-on-Thames is a beautiful town, and just a lovely place to be beautiful, and to work. Beautiful place. Yeah. Really, really... Um, uh, it looks like the set for Midsummer Murders. It's just that... And I believe it was I, I'm sure it, yes, I think it yeah. was. It's been in quite a few films and television yeah. programmes. Um, you know, beautiful English village um, with everything. The, the little bridge over the mm-hmm. Thames, and you know, mm-hmm. pretty little church. All nice that shops. Sort of business. Yeah, it's just yeah, shops. Yeah. absolute gorgeous place to live. And I, oddly, I'd gone there. We sort of had a weekend away close by, and then explored Henley for a couple of hours before we drove back to London. My partner and I one day, and that was about a month before I got the phone call so I'd been in Henley and we saw a sign saying Kenton Theatre and we said oh we should go and go and have a look and then mm. we, we didn't in the end um, and it was just a, it was a call out of the blue somebody had recommended me they were doing this production of Sherlock Holmes that had been a bit of a I think it had been a bit of a rocky ride sure. um, and they uh, it, it needed some Rewriting and it needed somebody to come in and steer yeah. the ship away from the rocks. Um, yeah. I don't think, in terms of writing, it was entirely successful. I think it was a little bit too little, too late. It was a lovely production. They, it was. Um, I mean, the physical production was was just. It was gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Really fab set and some really nice actors and. Um, but they're still tinkering with it. They're hoping to do something something with it, and it was a really interesting story because it was Sherlock Holmes in his later years supposed to be in his 60s but you know um, Edwardian 60s not today so you know he was an old man yeah, yeah, then because yeah. not like not he was Madonna. 60 now no absolutely <laughs> not and um, he was obsessed with the Jack the Ripper killings and a copycat killer or possibly the original killer mm. was now at large around Whitehall and Sherlock Holmes has been several times joined with Jack the Ripper mm. in, in many films and um, graphic novels and it's uh, because you know they're, they're, it's a real life character and a fictional character that are around in the same period so it's been done quite often but this was quite a quite an interesting take on it and mm. um, some of it some of it was uh, some of it was a success some of it not if I'm completely honest but it, overall it was a, it was a great great experience yeah. and um, I had a um had a really nice time with the producers and the team and so uh, began a sort of four-year uh, affiliation with the Kenton Theatre in Henley so I went back I, I was still doing Panto the, the commercial I'd done another mm. couple and they were doing um, 
what, what people in the industry generally describe as posh panto, where it's sort of small, very story-led, not celebrity panto with a local yeah. audience. And so I went to do that. I did two years of that. And obviously you were in that, so you mm-hmm. know. But that was lovely because it was a completely different experience. It was it was proper storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, not that panto isn't proper storytelling. A lot of, you know, a lot of the commercial ones aren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was was a chance to do a proper fairy tale and really put the story front and foremost um and uh so we did jack and the beanstalk in which you were dame trot yes jack's mother and it was so much fun i loved that i loved jack and the beanstalk that was yeah, really it was a really it. lovely experience and then the year after we did sleeping beauty and you were dame trot again yeah the idea was that you'd had um you know the, the audience the local audience really enjoyed you so I thought well rather than you just basically be the same cause you have to be you have to go on and be the same dame because that's who they've they, there's no point doing a, a, a different accent yeah. and having um, and, and trying to create a different character yeah. they want to see you so I thought, well why don't you just be dame just trot be again same. and yeah. but you've got a new job new job so you're nanny trot aren't you? yeah and I think that went down quite well um, yeah. and then obviously in between I say obviously or to you not to the people listening between that yes. the Three Musketeers yes in the same which was, year between the two yeah yeah and the Three Musketeers was a four-hander uh, comedy version yes so give of us a... the of the original tale and um, uh, I mean I don't know what else to say you were there you can <laughs> <laughs> I mean I could, I could, I could give uh, my synopsis of it, but it was, but essentially it's for players yes and the rest are stuck and so the four players have to yeah. tell the whole story and be every single character. yeah the, the director and three of his actors arrive in yeah. the provinces with this this sort of low rent tour of the three musketeers and he spies a film producer in the audience i mean this is i i sort of forgotten it until you said it um, yeah, and then yeah, he yeah. he uh, says right we're going on you know because he thinks this might be his his big chance right. he's sort of this He's never quite got to where he wanted. Um, I possibly had the looks to be a matinee idol without the talent, and um, all of that is fading, and he's clutching on. And even though he's about 20 years too old, he plays D'Artagnan, and then the other three guys have to play everybody else. Um, and he was played by, he was played by Mr. Peter Duncan. Yeah, Peter Duncan, Blue Peter fame. Again, was an actor first, and he's an actor, yeah. but, um, but people will know him from Blue Peter. Yeah. Played Aubrey Everett, who was the director, writer, supposed to be the writer, producer, star of this, who then also plays D'Artagnan. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, I uh, uh, it's uh, Three Musketeers is... I was going to say the Three Musketeers is in conversation about its... Um, future life the three musketeers is that i'm in <laughs> this, conversation this, this, <laughs> yeah i've not sent them off the off you go are out in the world talking. <laughs> um, you know it's something that i'm uh, i'm hoping um will will have a further life because that was the idea the idea was to try it out in henley um but yes um somebody who's been a, who who is remains to be a huge influence on you and um sadly is not isn't with us any longer Dame Gillian Lynn, mm. um, and and your your friendship and relationship you've had with her for the last few years, which has been, you know, which is, you say <laughs> you were joking earlier and said if she taught you anything, she taught you that you can be <laughs> still drinking champagne into your nineties. Yes, into your nineties, into, into, into your nineties. She was just uh, fabulous into yes. her nineties. She was the most extraordinary woman. I mean, she really, really was. Um, this is turning into a love fest because I have to. Well, no, I know there was a bit in the middle where I was where I was negative, yeah. wasn't I? There we go. Even yeah. even to self help. Yeah. But um, she, 
her husband, Peter Land, played Captain Hook in Peter Pan at the King's Head Theatre. And Peter Pan, I didn't say this before, but Peter Pan has had a sort of strange thread in my life mm. because I, when I first started the Saturday Drama School, the Little Players, when I was a 10 year old, we did the torchlight procession at Christmas around Preston and we were fairy tale characters and I was Peter Pan. So it was sort of my first role with mm. them. And then my first job out of drama school was Peter Pan. Mm -hmm. First big, big commercial show I did was Peter Pan. Um, and Peter Pan has led on to other things every time I've gone near it. Yeah. Um, and I'm doing Peter Pan again this Christmas at the Beck Theatre yes, in Hayes. Yes, I was going to say. <laughs> Dates are. <up>. Yeah. <laughs> the Beck Theatre in Hayes this December. I'm doing Peter Pan again. Um, and you're not starring... Ryan Thomas. There we go. Yeah, who is currently in Celebrity Big Brother, which I didn't know, but you've just told me. Yes, he's, he's playing Kirstie Captain Allen. Um, and he's playing Captain Hook. Yes. And it's not, it's odd because I don't go chasing Peter Pan. It, keeps, it seems to keep coming back to me. Mm. But it always tends to lead on to something really lovely afterwards, which is great. Mm. So Peter was Captain Hook. So I met, I didn't meet Gillian. I saw her. I saw her in the auditorium and thought, oh my God, that's Gillian. <laughs> she wasn't a dame then. That's Gillian. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, and then I directed a workshop of a show probably about 2010 and she came Peter, but I, I cast Peter in it and um, she came along and we did have that was my first conversation with her mm. um, and she sent me uh, a couple of emails we emailed a few times um, discussing the work and um, she was just extraordinarily generous and helpful and then we became friends about five or six years ago when I did Sherlock Holmes because Peter came along and played Sherlock and so we, yeah, we were running, yes. I think it ran for about a month with a little gap in between. So sort of like five or six weeks. And she came down a few times and we ended up just spending a lot of time together and becoming great friends. Mm. And um, then that led on to, you know, a friendship that's, that, that has lasted up until she passed away very, yeah. very, very recently. Yeah. And she was just extraordinary. I mean, she, she is really responsible for the um, development of jazz in theatre in the UK. Yeah. She, it wasn't, it just wasn't, a, <laughs> it wasn't a thing. You know, the Americans were, were bringing musicals over and were struggling to cast dancers who could do the work. You know, Michael Bennett bringing stuff over and Bob Fosse and, and they, because she was a performer first, she was with the Royal Ballet during the Second World War. Right. She played the Gwen Verdon role in Can Can. Gwen Verdon was Bob Fosse's eventual wife, but she was before that. Um, uh, she'd done Can Can. She'd done m many shows before she mm. met Bob Fosse, and that was with Michael Bennett. Um, and she, uh, uh, Gillian, played the role in the West End. Mm. Um, and she, uh, she's acted. She was in a film with Errol Flynn that you can see on YouTube. I've seen the picture. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and she does a dance that she choreographed. That was her first time choreographing. She right, choreographed because right. she got there and they said, "Oh no, there's no choreographer. Just go." Um, so she went away in a studio and did it. Uh, but with with um, jazz, she set up the first jazz company. She had a jazz company and she did a jazz ballet with music by Dudley Moore because they were really good friends. <laughs> I know, isn't that fantastic? And um, wow. then she, this piece was seen by David Merrick, who was very, very famous, prolific um, 
producer of some notoriety from mm. America did Hello Dolly Mac and Mabel 42nd Street big big stuff sure. and his um, biography is called The Abominable Showman just to give you an idea <laughs> and he was quite a character and he came over and apparently said I'm gonna have you on Broadway in a year kid and she said oh yes of course you are haha ha. Um, and was terribly polite as she was and thought well I'll never see him again and yeah. within a year she was on Broadway huh. and it was with you know Cats the musical in the 80s the Andrew Webber score and Gillian's work was a huge turning point for jazz because she really pushed the boundaries um, of what dancers were doing yeah. what dancers could do and it was and her contribution is enormous so she's just had a theatre named for her yeah the the new London theatre yeah. Yeah, where now, cats last lived where, yes yes yeah. where cats, cats um, originated yeah. and she thankfully was alive to see it she's the first woman in history apart from being a royal to have a theatre in the West End named after her and I don't think there are any commercial theatres really I mean the Avon or no is a commercial theatre in Guildford but well, then there are very in few yeah. in in the UK that, have, that are named after women if they're commercial. But mm. the West End, there's never been a theatre other than uh, uh, named after a woman unless you're a royal, and there has never mm. been a theatre named after a choreographer. So that's extraordinary. But yeah. I, I mean, I could I could go on about her for hours. She was just uh, amazing influence on me professionally, but also an extraordinary friend. I was going to say that's kind of the thing because you got to know the real human being. I and, did. I was and very lucky. supportive of all your. Oh my, my God! I mean, you the the first read through of the Three Musketeers, um, we were in that room yeah. that had about t- ten flights of stairs. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Yes. And she insisted that she was going to come. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, we could do an, we'll do another, uh, we'll do a second read. Or do you want to come to the first day of rehearsals? And she said, no, darling, I want to come to the read through. I want to be there to support you. Um, I said, well, what about the stairs, Julian? And no, she was insistent. Yeah. She is. She was. Um, she was. She was not an old lady. No. Up until up until the end, she she was, uh, she was just vivacious and fabulous and the God her mind. She would, she was ninety two when she passed away, and in the last year of her life was still swanning around in in skirts and um. I mean, I, I remember going for lunch and she had this fabulous mini skirt and knee high boots and just looked amazing. Yeah, she was just so elegant and and she'd taken care of her body. Catch twenty two because the ballet obviously the injuries started to come back in later life as they do with anybody as yeah. you get older. All those old injuries and I think she'd broken everything. Yeah, but at the same time it'd given her the discipline and the um. The, the need because as a dancer you know you need to stay fit all the time don't mm. you it's, it's in your soul and so she she still sat like a ballerina mm, she walked mm-hmm. like a ballerina she, oh she was yeah, so yeah, elegant yeah, yeah. and um, that, and that in itself is so inspiring you think you know if I take care of myself maybe I could be one inch wow. as amazing as, as she was and, uh, and we, to still be that amazing into uh, to that age. Well, she was well, working as well. She thing. choreographed a new ballet at eighty seven, a four, yeah. sort of forty minute ballet, which was one of the most incredible pieces of theatre I've ever seen. It really right. was the 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 storytelling in it and the the join between when they were doing staging to when it became true dance and people were being lifted in the air. You never saw the join. It mm-hmm. was so fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was still going into rehearsals for Cats and Phantom of the Opera because she choreographed that also into her 90s she was going in there and giving notes and, and doing sessions and making changes she changed the choreography of Masquerade only about three years ago maybe even two years ago because she said that she was never entirely happy with it so she went back I don't know if it's changed in America no. but it definitely changed in London I mean that's just amazing 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 I mean, and 
she was a nice nice lady as a well. nice person yeah. with a great work ethic and 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 yeah and she and crashed through that glass ceiling i mean she you know the stuff that she was doing in the in the 50s 60s as a woman um mm. she uh, she fought mm-hmm. I mean, she absolutely fought for it she mm-hmm. was she she could be ferocious if she needed to be but she was always kind and generous um and extraordinarily talented yeah we'll leave it there well no it's just nice to have a little <laughs> yeah no and, and, and um yeah because she was very important to yeah them. she was indeed um and is and still is and yeah. will remain so um so you've just mentioned the panto that you're doing mm. uh, next but any any other exciting things in store yeah. that you can tell us about well i'm i'm i don't think it's going to be next year now but the year after probably i've got two quite exciting things that are going to go out on tour of course it's not something i can tell you about of course because uh, that's the way the way of things yeah. but it's the stuff that has been developing you know, theater takes a long time yeah. and um two things that i think are going to be really fun and and really exciting um that are uh, existing pieces that i'm directing okay. um and i'm writing a couple of things at the moment um I'm wondering about dipping my toe into TV land and doing ah. some maybe something I'm going to uh, make myself first off and put out there okay. um, that I'm looking at. But I'm also I'm doing a play in uh, I'm writing a play that is on in February at a theatre in Bognor, um, the musical theatre students of Chichester University. And it's a, a very well respected course has been on the um, on the up for the past few years, mm-hmm. and they've got this fabulous new head I don't know if he's new or, or whether he started the course but this fabulous head of musical theatre called Andrew Wright there was a, a choreographer and British choreographer Andrew Wright this is a different Andrew okay. Wright um, a former performer who runs it and um, he's really uh, really doing a great job I went to see some work that the students were doing and it was just great and they bring in so many outside professionals to work with them and every year they do a play um, and they usually have um they usually had to do sort of a, a not always children's theatre but something that is sort of family friendly because they have about seven days we start on a saturday and then we open uh, the following friday so it's a you know a big cast thing so we're doing a fancy yeah. i'm doing something called forever oz which is yes. a um an adaptation of the second and third books in the wizard of oz series there were 14 they were the harry potter of their day yeah, yeah. there were more than 14 by different writers officially the royal historian of Oz that they pass the title on but he L. Frank Bohm um, he wrote 14 before he died and it's an, an adaptation of the second and third books mixed together which I'm really excited I think it's going to be 14. yes of all well, it, there, are some, there are some nods <laughs> towards rehearsal. yes there are, some, there are some nods towards I've been in touch with the, the International Wizard of Oz Club in America um, and I'm hopefully I didn't know there was such a thing oh there is wow. indeed okay. and um, they've been quite excited about some of the content i'm trying to put um easter eggs is what they say it's what the cool kids say yes, isn't it yes easter eggs. yes 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 you know, I, i'm trying to um <laughs> well, not, well done no, i know i know i know <laughs> 1984 um <laughs> easter eggs so that there are there are nods no, not so that it's like a greatest hits of the wizard of oz but if there are anything that i can use from the universe if if a, for example you know a regal character is being poured a drink then it's going to be a specific nectar that is mentioned in one of the Oz books or if they eat sure. fruit you know, I'm trying to use as much material from the books as possible because um, uh, I think the Oz fans are they're still very patiently waiting for some of the further books to get a- adapted 
and it doesn't ever. So this is one place to go, and uh, yes, I am. I am adapting the the second and third have been adapted a few times actually, but um, because it makes sense because they they happen straight after the Wizard of Oz, so you're 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 not plunging your audience into because the world of Oz changes over the books. You you know, if you if you were adapting four, five, or six, then you'd have to do so much rewriting in order to. uh, yeah. Anyway, blah blah blah. I could go no, on. No, and no, on no. About it's that. good. It's good because we just want to. But yeah, that's really you know, exciting. So you that's where you are. It's on. Um, it's on Twitter. I think they have a. They have a Forever Oz page. So that's their page. Now, do you see what I did yeah, there? Well, nicely. Said and I'm looking at the post-it that I wrote it on, <laughs> even though it's only my own name. It is at Ian McFarlane Esquire, which is E S X. Ian is I A N. McFarlane is M C, like hammer. F A R L A N E Farlane Ian McFarlane Esquire M C like hammer. Yeah. It's a picture of me on a really good hair day. Is my um is my uh, you'll find the man headshot. You'll yes. find the man. Um, thank you. Thank you. So thank much. you for having me. Um, we didn't get to talk about uh, Hello Dolly, but we will another time. Perhaps there'll be further things for you to come on and promote a little bit down yes. the line, so we can talk yes, about please. that. Because that's not going out of your mind anytime soon. Ian, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.